2: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is it. After years of tussling and talking, the Oakland A's have gone all in on a new ballpark wedged in between the landmark port and a resurgent Jack London Square. The renderings are dreamy. The mayor is publicly behind it. The plan imagines not just a new stadium, but a new Oakland, the crown jewel of a complex city. But wow, are there still a lot of things to figure out. How exactly will the financing work? How exactly will community benefits flow through to West Oakland? Will the port interest get on board? And will the city council approve it, especially after being burned by the Raiders and Warriors? We'll be joined by the A's President Dave Cavill and other key parties in this era-defining political scrum. That's all next on Forum after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. In three weeks, the Oakland City Council will vote whether to approve the A's proposal to build a new baseball stadium at Howard Terminal. The A's say their waterfront proposal, which includes housing a performance space and hotels, will revitalize West Oakland, an area of the city that has historically suffered from gentrification and displacement by big infrastructure projects like BART, freeways and the post office down there. Opponents say it will cost jobs at the port and argue that the stadium should be built at the Coliseum where ample transportation infrastructure already exists. Ratcheting up the tension is the A's ultimatum that if they can't build on the waterfront, they will move away entirely, leaving Oakland without a major league sports team following the loss of the city's other teams. We'll hear about the plan at what it means for Oakland and Bay Area sports fans First, I want to bring Nina Thorson, producer at KQED and The California Report, onto the show to give us a reset. Welcome to the show, Nina.
3: Hey, uh, Alexis. Good to talk to you.
2: So first, let's let's talk about the specific area where it is. I want to give listeners like a, a sort of mental map. Where exactly is Howard Terminal?
3: So if you've ever taken a ferry and gotten off at the Oakland side, it's immediately north of where the ferry terminal is right now. Uh, and then in between Howard Terminal and um, the rest of the Port of Oakland, uh, that's where Schnitzer Steel, the steel factory, is. Yeah. So it's, a, it's right on the water and um, right adjacent to the ferry terminal.
2: Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes this such a complicated location is on the one side, you've got the port. And on the other side, you've got Jack London and it's right, right in between there.
3: For sure. And I mean, I think this is the challenge inherent to anybody who's going to build any kind of new facility in an established city is you want to be close to things that are already there and places where people want to go. But that means you're going to be next to some people. And uh, there's just a lot of complications involved. For
2: For sure. sure. Um, Give us a quick recap on the last 20 years of the A's stadium woes.
3: All right. I will watch the clock. I don't want to uh, <laughs> run into the break. <laughs> um, well, first of all, let me just say um, I am speaking today um, primarily as a journalist, but I am an A's fan, and I like to be very upfront about that. Um, I'm not trying to represent the views of other A's fans, although I have certainly talked to enough of them to know what many of them think. Um, and I am a season ticket holder in years when there are season ticket holders, when, which uh, this year there are not. Uh, it, and, uh, uh, so my view of things may be colored by my being a fan. I hope I try to, I try to, um, look at it as, as impartially as I can, but I just like to have that
2: out front. No, it's fine. I'm um, a, I'm a Giants fan. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> go go ahead, Nina. So yeah. So tell us, tell me the, the history of the stadiums. Like where, where have they so, tried to, to go? Um,
3: the A's have banned at the Coliseum since 1968 it was, of course, built as a multi-purpose facility and uh, for many years until a couple of seasons ago was also the home of the Oakland Raiders. And it, the Coliseum as it currently exists is both, it's old, it's an old building. It has a lot of quirks and things that need major redoing in, in order to just keep it going even for this season. And, um, and it's also, it's, it's big. It's a big uh, bowl surrounded by a parking lot. And that is not what uh, baseball people generally feel is their model for a modern facility. They like the idea of a downtown ballpark with bars and restaurants and things that you can do and places that you can go before, after, and uh, other things that are going on at the, at the stadium that, you know, around the stadium that people might be interested in going to. So the A's, um, The A's have been looking since the beginning of this century, since um, roughly 2000-2001, for a better site for a baseball-only site. But I think in a lot of ways, the critical date for looking at the whole history of this is 1995. That's when the Raiders' deal was made to bring the Raiders back from Los Angeles to Oakland. Uh, that led to a couple of things that led to the erection of what we call Mount Davis, the, the um, seats on the on the far side of the stadium that block off the view and to a lot of people who went to the Coliseum before Mount Davis was erected really ruined it as a ballpark. Um, but the more important thing it did was that it was a deal that was bad for the city of Oakland, bad for Alameda County and bad for taxpayers. And I think in a lot of ways, the biggest challenge that any new sports facility, but particularly in in the East Bay and Oakland and Alameda County is going to face is convincing people that this is not that deal, that this is not going to be something that if it doesn't sell out as quickly as anticipated. Um, But this is not going to be on people's property tax bills for the next 30 years, which it's not because this is a whole different kind of financing. But that's the challenge for um, for city and county officials, particularly is to put the Raiders deal out of their mind. I think the challenge for A's fans and for the media is to put the last nine or 10 sites that didn't work out that have been proposed over the years. Out of their mind and look at Howard Terminal by itself. But there were were attempts to put a a facility in Uptown, Oakland, um, and uh, various places around the Coliseum, San Jose, Fremont. uh, There was speculation about Pleasanton. I don't think they ever got really a a site uh, nailed down there. Victory Court, Brooklyn Basin, and uh, Laney College and now power terminal
2: it has been quite a saga and i want to bring on now dave cavill who's president of the oakland a's to talk with us about the the whole thing (laughs) but in particular the last little bit welcome to the show dave
4: thanks so much for having me guys
2: okay so from your perspective where where are we in this in this process? We've got the vote coming up. You've had some approvals in the past. How, how do you see the position right now?
4: Uh, well, in many ways, we're we're in the bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, we need to get a couple runs to win the game. And the key moment is going to be this July twentieth vote of the city council to hopefully approve our financial uh, offer and framework that we made to the city back in January. It's an incredible vision for the Oakland waterfront, $12 billion in private capital, a billion-dollar stadium, uh, housing, including affordable housing, $450 million in community benefits, and a home for the A's for many generations to come. So we're very hopeful that we'll actually get a positive vote. Obviously, it's been a long 20-year saga. I've been leading this effort for the last five years. Uh, We failed at our option at Laney College, and this is really our last option for Oakland And that's why it's really Howard Terminal or bust.
2: Why is it the last option for Oakland? Like the Coliseum, obviously, as a stadium, why couldn't it work?
4: Well, it really isn't a 21st century um, location for professional sports. I mean, remember, two teams have already abandoned the site, the Raiders and the Warriors, uh, for more urban areas. And so it really doesn't fit the narrative of being in a location that's walkable, bikeable, close to where people are working and that's the the future of baseball. MLB has said that we've said that. And that's why we really need a downtown location like the one at Howard terminal.
2: What about other teams that have, like the Rangers, for example, who've built uh, stadiums that aren't in that model. And it seems to have worked.
4: Well, those have received very large public subsidies to pay for the stadium itself. We are privately financing the stadium. We also feel that in um, the Bay area, we want, Um, an authentic location that fits kind of the urban planning and vision for our community. And I think that actually fits better in an urban environment and look across the Bay Oracle park. It's been a huge success. Um, A towering achievement of a city and a baseball team working together to create a catalyst for development on the waterfront. Oakland should have the same opportunity and we can do that with our proposal that we're looking for an affirmative vote on the 20th.
2: So one of the trickiest things to explain is the actual financing districts that would have to be created in order to make this plan go forward. Can you give us sort of, we'll talk about this more, I promise, but can you give us sort of the sketch of these infrastructure financing districts as you imagine them?
4: Yeah, I mean, this is just an extension of something that California did for many years called redevelopment, where cities would take the tax dollars that new projects would generate and basically use them to repay the upfront investment that a developer or um, project sponsor would make. And that's all we're asking for. We're not asking for tax revenue that already exists. We're saying, hey, our project's gonna generate a lot of new taxes in order for the project to happen. We can take this, but for tax revenue that wouldn't happen unless the project happened and then actually use it to repay some of this investment that we make. So we're on the hook, if the money doesn't come in, There's never a situation like Mount Davis here at the Coliseum where the city or county's on the hook. So it's a much more fiscally responsible way to do this type of development. It's done all over California, places like San Diego, Los Angeles. It was done for Mission Bay for the Giants project. It was done for Pier 70, Treasure Island, Hunter's Point. It's a very common mechanism and one that we think is very appropriate for the project.
2: In this case, there's actually two infrastructure financing districts that are being created, right? One for Jack London and one for Howard Terminal. Why why is that?
4: Well, because the ballpark is going to bring an increase in the property taxes of all those areas. I mean, you've seen it with um, Oracle Park. You've seen it with Petco Park down at San Diego. Bringing two and a half million people to a location who are spending dollars is going to increase the value of things. I mean, that's the concern with gentrification. That's why we want some of this new tax revenue that comes from that to be actually put back into this race and equity-based community benefits approach that we spent the last year and a half working on. So many of the dollars that will be generated will be used for affordable housing, workforce development, environmental justice, to clean up the area, to deal with the polluters that are opposing this project. Those are really important aspects of this and one reason we need the infrastructure financing districts.
2: Thank you. We're talking about the A's proposal to build a new stadium at Howard Terminal with Neen Thorson, producer at KQED, and Dave Cavill, president of the Oakland A's. We want to hear from you. What do you think of the plan? What concerns do you have about the A's proposal? How do you feel about the A's ultimatum? They'll leave Oakland if they can't get their stadium at Howard Terminal. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook, like I see you all already doing. We're at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Much more after the break with Dave Cavill. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the A's proposal to build a new stadium at Howard Terminal. And we've got Dave Cavill, president of the A's. Before the break, we were talking about the financing districts, you know, one in Jacqueline Square, um, one in Howard Terminal. And I want you to explain how the county now has gotten involved. It seemed to a lot of people that I've heard from like it was sort of a late addition to this mix of financing. Um, what's the county's support? Proposed role.
4: Well, yes, the city actually um, asked the county to participate in um, the infrastructure financing district. That was not something that we asked for. You know, we have a proposal that we made originally, um, after about a year of negotiation with the city in January, that didn't include the county because we didn't know if they wanted to participate and pledge their tax increment. But the city really feels it's important for them to participate. We don't have a, we're not, we have a no problem with that. That'd be fine. It just adds another layer of complexity. And I think what we're focused on right now is just getting that affirmative vote and ensuring that we have some certainty from the city that they share our vision for the waterfront.
2: So what happens if the county, which I don't think, if I'm if I'm correct, isn't going to take this up until September, what happens if the county doesn't get involved? Does that affect your your plans and the, the city vote?
4: It could if the city is unwilling to um, kind of uh, come to terms with, the offer that we put forth on the table which we think is a very robust and uh, fiscally responsible offer um, they could include the county to solve some of the challenges that they think there occur on their side but they could also find other ways to ensure that the project makes sense for everyone so it's really in the city's court if they want to have the county involved how that works we're not against it we've been supportive i did seven hours of testimony in front of the county board on this we have a great relationship with those supervisors and it's one option to solve um, kind of the economic deal. But there are other ways to do it as well.
2: Mm-hmm. The community benefits package, um, the the top line number seems quite, quite large. Um, there yeah, are. No, it is. It yeah, it's a
4: big number. It's, it's t- more than twice as big as the amount of community benefits that Google proposed and got passed in San Jose. I think it's important to understand that.
2: And. Is Google going to, or or some of these other community benefits agreements? Are they going to directly pay those, or will those come through the increased tax revenue of the infrastructure finance district?
4: Uh, well, I think it's a mix in those cases, but you know, either way, the key thing is it's the project taking you know aspects of its revenue streams and channeling them towards community benefits, whether it's affordable housing, workforce development, environmental justice, and sustainability. And you know, I think since we were able to establish this race and equity-based approach that we funded over the last 18 months with a group of you know, 50 to 70 local community leaders, really digging in on what are the areas that need investment in West Oakland, because it's a community that, especially because of the pollution of the port and the port interests, really needs investment. And how can our project help there? And so that's been the approach. We have this bucket of of dollars to 450 million that we're pledging uh, to address these issues. And we want that group, that steering committee for you know, 50, 60 years to basically direct those dollars in ways that make sense for the local community.
2: Thank you. We actually have a member of the steering committee. I want to bring David Peters onto the show. He is uh, on the Howard Terminal Community Benefits Agreement Steering Committee, and he's also the founder of the Black Liberation Walking Tour and a third-generation West Oakland resident. Welcome to the show, David.
0: Hey, thanks, Alexis. Happy to be here.
2: You know, so I do want to dive into the history of... Uh, west oakland a little bit here because i think it it really matters in in thinking about this project i mean you had so much displacement from different infrastructure projects um do you want to talk a little bit about that david and how it affected your family and then whether or not you think this howard terminal project is different
0: yeah thanks for that and this is essential and critical to understand uh this history it weighs on us psychically uh, it influences our mistrust of city government and any corporate uh, players and the port as well. Um, you know, really briefly, you know, I think many people are familiar with the history of redlining, you know, which was the United States government backed plan to transfer wealth from urban communities, minority communities, ethnic white communities to suburbs. You know, our federal government used tax dollars to subsidize whites only suburban housing developments and simultaneously made sure put in policies that cause private lending um, to be have higher interest rates in our communities and, and used policies specifically used policies like freeways. My family was displaced by 580 uh, in, in the late 40s, the planning for it. And in my community now, I live near the intersection of 580 and 980 and constant freeway noise, dust. These are stressors. Um, and, and many people know the historic heart of black. Red Line segregated West Oakland 7th Street, which was destroyed by the city through the Bart Line, uh, through the post office, through putting the Cypress Viaduct, which has now been moved down there. And then very significantly and specifically done by the city was policies of urban renewal that leveled 50 blocks in West Oakland. Um, and those families were displaced, are not compensated, and many have not were you know, displaced from this community permanently. And so... These plans um, that the community benefits agreement specifically, and and I hesitate to call it a community benefits agreement because those are traditionally and typically funded by developers. This idea of using tax funding to craft what I will call a reparative community investment agreement to address the current documented racial inequities in the baseline equity indicator reports is a novel breakthrough and radical one that we should all embrace and that we hope
2: to see roll out nationally. Tell me, tell me what makes it different. Like, I, cause I'm not sure most people actually understand how normally a community benefits agreement works, right? Normally there's some subset of nonprofit groups that get together and some money gets transferred to them and then they roll it out. How, so how is this different?
0: Yeah, that's, that, that's exactly it. And so, you know, what I heard at the, at the outset of this process you know, as a grassroots community member, uh, was that, you know, I had no, no role to play here because I didn't have the experience. Um, and, and, you know, there is something to be said by, for groups that have a lot of expertise and experience in doing this. But at the same time, we realize that it's, it's a power-seeking opportunity for them to be able to divvy up this money. It's also important to realize that very few developments have community benefits agreements. And so if we look at, you know, what's going on with the developments planned on 7th Street, Very few of them have CBAs. All of them are required to comply with Oakland's law around affordable housing. This one is different and novel and is a national model. Uh, We started with uh, uh, racial inequity statistics. So it's data-driven. This is grassroots community-led and centered. You know, the community-elected representatives from representing each of the four most impacted neighborhoods, West Oakland, Chinatown, Jack London, and Old Oakland. We had a co-chair who was an Oakland stakeholder that allowed that expertise to come in. And there was a planning committee um, that was led by West Oakland Environmental Indicators Project, Mm -hmm. the Oakland Asian Cultural Center, the A's, the port, um, and the city. And one of the most exciting things about this process for me is the Port of Oakland has committed to contributing um, to this community investment agreement, which is something this community has been after for at least 50 years. And that's a huge break.
2: So, you know, David, the only, it sounds really good, um, when I think back on some of these other community processes that have gone on in West Oakland, like, um, say, out on the Oakland Army base, you know, huge plot of land that came up and was was redeveloped. There was, in, in that case, also a sort of innovative steering committee. And then through a series of kind of maneuvers, they lost power to actually direct what was going to happen um, on the on the Oakland Army base. How do you know that this group that you're on is actually going to be able to to get these funds directed in the ways that the community that you represent wants them directed? This is this is core, because there are
0: many people pointing at the failures of the past and saying it's not achievable. You know, but this is this becomes a mindset, you know, as a black man growing up in Oakland, America, if I believed that uh, things couldn't get done, I wouldn't get out. You wouldn't get up out of bed in the morning. You know, it is the legacy of struggle and fight and the people who have been in this fight, like Wallop and uh, Ms. Margaret, and many, many others that have done that. And so it's interesting that you bring that up uh, because there's $4 million that's sitting in a fund for West Oakland Community Investment Fund that has not been dispersed to the community committee to do that over the last four years, the city attorney has not saw fit to turn that over and we are still fighting that. And so when you talk about this, media talks about these things, it helps us to lift that up and put pressure on the city to turn over those, those funds. Cause I do believe that eventually it will happen. Now I trust nobody in the, in this exercise. I don't trust the port. I don't trust the city. I don't trust the A's. Uh, It is only through having legally enforceable and binding agreements that we have any opportunity to make this go forward. Now, I think we've learned a lot from the past and we're building on that in this process. And if we look at the term sheet, it lays out some guidelines and principles about how this will be applied, including having a community based oversight committee. Uh, to to you know oversee the implementation of these um, items that have been you know recommended. But I would love to talk some more about yeah. some of the things and some of the disagreements you know I've had you know with both um, the A's and and, and what they what I would say. Uh, misled the CBA committee of a great part about what their personal, uh, what the private capital would commit to in terms of the CBA agreement, um, while simultaneously recognizing that this, they facilitated an opportunity that I believe is just and rightful to come back to government who created and fostered all these, con- these current conditions through these historical processes of systemic and, and institutional racism that we talked about uh, as a novel approach to come to the city uh, for uh, to address uh, the current inequities due to their past policies, The city belongs to that. The city owns that and the city should be funding that not only through this EIFD, but through EIFDs around all developments happening in communities in Oakland in the future.
2: Thank you for that, David. I want to get to a few comments. Ashley writes, what will happen to the longshoreman jobs at the port? Also, why is developing the Coliseum off the table? That could be a great area close to BART. Ben tweets, I find it, Dishonest that the Coliseum site is deemed unviable by Cavil. I just watched the Dodgers bring in 50,000 fans the other night in a destination stadium accessible only by private vehicle. Listener tweets, It's just hard to watch the process. They got to do what they got to do, and employees, fans, and residents are stuck in limbo as Oakland continues to die versus grow. I'd literally rather die than be a Giants fan. Um, I want to bring in now to talk about the port side of things. Uh, and and not the Port of Oakland as an entity, but like the sort of maritime industry, Mike Jacob. He's the vice president and general counsel of the Pacific Merchant Shipping Association. Welcome to the show, Mike.
5: Yeah, good morning, Alexis. Thanks for having me.
2: So um, I think as people who've seen billboards around town know, um, your group is opposed to the uh, Howard Terminal site. What are, say, your top three reasons for uh, opposing that site for the new A Stadium?
5: Yeah, we have uh, a lot of macro and micro level concerns with this project. So to to break that down into a a, a top three, maybe I'll I'll do it in a top two. Um, At the macro level, obviously, we have uh, uh, a a number of folks in our alliance that are concerned with the A's proposal to remove and redevelop what is precious water from property from our uh, region's industrial core um once uh waterfront property is gone it's gone forever you cannot replace it um and so that is a decision that needs to be made regionally with respect to what do we want our bayfront to look like what do we want to do with respect to allocating property to industrial uses versus other uses such as housing which can go anyplace else or a baseball stadium for that matter um and to the question from your audience uh it 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 is a signal to the workers and the maritime labor, um, but also to the international trade community that finances the infrastructure that you need to grow that will never create another job for you from this property ever.
2: Um, and that, Mike, that is a Mike, can I ask a you a question just on, on the land question? Um, sure. The Oakland Army base just added a bunch of new land to the port, right? So does that, does that help balance this out or not?
5: It, it's a, that's a great question, and um, it, it's not a balancing routine for us. Um, the, the concern that we have, again, is about what does the future of Oakland look like, and are we making room for investments? And so um, to Dave's point uh, earlier uh, about San Francisco and the San Francisco waterfront, that is a location where if you want to bring in two and a half million people, um, and you want to redevelop for a ballpark and housing, that that's a place that we've decided that type of growth can happen. Um, we've decided <clears throat> over decades that the place where we want to invest billions of dollars of public and private dollars in the facilitation of the movement of freight and the development of those jobs in our industrial core is the Oakland waterfront. Um, and the Howard Terminal location is a component of that. Um, Certainly, it is not the uh, ideal location for certain types of shipping and nor is the uh, Oakland Army base. So, when we look at the Oakland Army base expansion, um, it adds a a flavor to what we do. It's a diversification, um, but that is not being proposed for an expansion of the uh, main purpose of the Port of Oakland. In fact, it's not administered by the port, it's administered by the city, but it, it doesn't facilitate additional container shipments. Uh, or growth in the, of the container industry, which is our key and primary driver of facilitating both imports and exports from California and the Bay. When it comes, But, but Mike, Mike, it's only 2% of the total port
4: property, Howard Terminal. And really, this is more about pollution than about land use. You know, I think the real issue here is that you have existing polluters who are not comfortable following existing laws. And if we actually build our commercial development, people are going to become aware of that. And that's, that's what this is about. That's and Dave Cabell, people, president just, of the A's talking. Yeah, p- people just need to know what, what's really going on here. And uh, I think okay. it's sad okay. that, that, that you guys are peddling these lies and fear-mongering when this is really about pollution.
2: Mike, wow. go, go ahead, Mike. I'd, <laughs> I'd like you to get a chance to respond.
5: Yeah, wow. And I, and I don't think that's the format here. But, but let me address that. Um, Dave, just none of what you said is, is accurate or true um we do have a issue with your development which is very very clear which is this is a horrible location for not just the stadium but all of the 24-7 uses that you're proposing including the housing the hotel and offices because it does produce land use conflicts um i am not going to sit here and say that the freight industry or any industrial operations um are a good location to place housing. And in fact, I think to your point, uh, what we do, and excuse me for the, the train behind me, um, is noisy. It is loud. It has bright lights. We operate at night. And yes, we do have emissions. We are very proud of the work we've done to reduce our emissions footprint, especially in Oakland, because we've invested hundreds of millions of dollars in improvements. but. Let's be honest, we do have environmental justice issues surrounding the port and the existing West Oakland community. Most of those residents- hold on for one second. Hold on, yeah,
2: let's let him him finish one second and we'll come to you in just a second.
5: One one second, Dave. I mean, you know that to make this site work, you need to address trains, trucks, and ships. That's what we've been asking for. Um, That has not happened. It's not adequately addressed in the EIR. We still have a lot of processes to go, um, and that's why we have planning criteria that everyone needs to work through. That means working through the BCDC process, working through the environmental impact review process, and working with State Lands Commission. We're not in the bottom of the ninth on this project, we're in the top of the first, and that's what we're working through.
2: All right, when we get back, we're going to hear Dave Cavill's response to the port uh, shipping folks' concerns. You were just listening to Mike Jacob, Vice President and General Counsel of the Pacific Merchant Shipping Association. We also have Dave Cavill, President of the Oakland A's, and David Peters, a member of the Howard Terminal Community Benefits Agreement Steering Committee. We'll be back with more spicy things after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the A's plan to try to build a new stadium at Howard Terminal with Dave Cavill, president of the Oakland A's, Mike Jacob, vice president, general counsel of the Pacific Merchant Shipping Association, and David Peters, a member of the Howard Terminal Community Community Benefits Agreement Steering Committee. And we are deep in the conversation on the land use questions on the proper use of uh, waterfront property one way or the other. And we were just about to give um, Dave a chance to respond to, uh, uh, let's make it slightly more specific on uh, Mike's questions about um, trains, trucks. Um, let's, let's just do those two since there's a lot to respond on. What's the A's plan for making this work for the truckers uh, and for the railroads?
4: Well, I think it's important to remember that we got the Port Commission almost two years ago to unanimously approve our proposal for a ballpark and development at Howard Terminal. It included significant concessions to the maritime community, uh, allowing 10 acres of the site to be taken away for uh, expansion of the turning basin, a transportation plan that will segregate the actual ship. Uh, or the, you know, uh, truck traffic from pedestrians and um, actual cars that are coming to the game, um, and a plan to ensure that there's a buffer zone between the actual development and the housing and the port. So we've made a lot of concessions that address the concerns of the maritime community. I think now what the maritime community and the polluters are doing are just trying to throw sand at the gears to delay the project, to say we're in the first inning and not the ninth inning. We've already spent almost four years on the Howard terminal project projects like this cannot take this long. If they are going to occur, this is one of the problems we have in California. We used to be able to do big projects like this, but it's too easy for one special interest group of billionaire corporations to stand in the way of the will of the populace. And we are in the crossfire of that. And that's why we're doing everything we can to bring this to an affirmative vote on the 20th of July.
0: Dave, I also do want to note the A's are also owned by a billionaire. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: yeah, and so if I if I can jump, this is Dave Peters, I can jump in here for a minute. And so we've got two self-interested groups of billionaires here fighting over community control of where I live. And so when I think about this project, you know, the A's and the poor, the, the global maritime interests are both self-interested, and it becomes, you know. The Port Commission, the Bay Conservation Development Commission, and these folks are, who are specialists in trying to arbitrate this um, and weigh all of the stakeholders' interest, the community, the port industry, you know, other commercial activity, I, I'm going to leave that up to them to operate in their processes. And I've attended some, some of those hearing committees. But I think, you know, as we think about this, what is the plan to develop and to invest in historically- disinvested West Oakland uh, if this does not occur. And, and I'll say that at the same time while recognizing this is really on the estuary. Uh, it would be an extension of the Jack London Square, but is adjacent you know, to West Oakland. And mm-hmm. we need to have rail safety improvements. We need to have road improvements. We need to have pedestrian improvements. We need environmental remediation, sewer improvements. Um, all of those things need to happen. And I do not hear the port Uh, talking about they're willing to take this on an investment, nor have they ever, nor are they putting forth a plan to invest in the community outside their gates. And so I would like to, you know, we want to center the community in this and not the interest of the A's nor the port, while recognizing they are both essential parts of our community. And we need to figure out how to how to get all get together on this. Now, I've got problems with both of these sides (laughs) east oakland stadium alliance you know this astroturf group that mike mike is part of came to my local community meeting and was willing to spread untruths to regular citizens that don't follow this closely which is no different than i'm listening to dave cavill talk about google and what i heard in our steering committee presentation is that's financed by a fee or surcharge on every leasable square foot Well, the A's have said that they are not willing for the private capital to finance any community benefits agreement. I think that's outrageous. And I think we know that the EIFD can only finance capital projects by law. And there are a number of ongoing programs and services that need to be financed to make this community whole from the impacts. Uh, of this plan project. And so we just have to be careful that we hold everybody accountable you know, for this. And I'm extremely disturbed by the notion that the A's are saying uh, they will not fund and comply with Oakland's affordable housing law on their dime. But want that to come out of the EIFD fund. That's outrageous. No other developer has been allowed to do that.
2: Um, Mike, I want to give you uh a chance to respond. I, I wanna bring in callers soon though. So if you want to respond to you know quickly what uh David said, um floor is yours.
5: Sure. Yeah, thank you. Um and and I just would categorically uh just disagree with both Dave and and, and David uh asserting that somehow we're lying to people, which is certainly not the case. And and we're we're very clear about what our positions are and, and why we're taking them. But I, I would mention that our coalition is built around um, maritime business and maritime labor. And if you look at, at the uh, the way that our industry works and the employees that we work with, the ILWU Local 10, for example, it's 40% African-American. It grew up in Oakland. They're some of the best paying, blue collar, middle class jobs that are unionized in North America. We're proud of that. We're glad they're part of our our coalition, same thing with the trucking community in terms of access. When you look at truckers, it is representative of the immigrant community in Oakland, and the Bay Area. They are low barrier to entry jobs, but they're really good jobs. They're jobs for people who wanna work hard and create some real advantages for their family to get ahead uh, in America. And we're, we're proud of that. So these are things that people need to weigh because we can only create these jobs in one place, and it's a working waterfront. So um, to the extent that that we view these issues uh, uh, in the context that, that David's looking at with respect to the community, we are representing the community. That's why we have people fighting um, for these jobs. I mean, I, I think it's it's just no secret that once the place where these jobs can happen is gone, the jobs are gone.
2: Thanks, Mike, for that response. And I think what you're hearing here, if you're hearing the the fire in in all these speakers, is that these, this is a legitimate dispute. I mean, these are different visions for what the Oakland waterfront um, could be, and I think they're very, very distinct. Um, let's go to uh, Neil in Menlo Park.
7: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, sorry, if there's a little construction noise back here. Um, if your journalists could comment on the unviability of the current Coliseum. If I could quickly make an analogy to going out to dinner, you might like Chinese or you might like Italian or you might like fusion. The story right now is that we have to have Chinese or Italian, whatever it is. We have to have a downtown water, a downtown walkable ballpark. But as someone growing up in New Jersey who actually likes going to a a Meadowlands drive-in stadium, if your journalist could talk about why we just can't have the Coliseum, and if the answer is as simple as MLB and the Oakland A's don't, don't want it, just like your wife says, we're going here for dinner, um, and that's the answer, that's the answer. But if, you're, if, you're get, if your journalist could talk about why the Coliseum isn't viable or won't go forward, and then maybe quickly, relatedly, what happens to the Coliseum site if nothing happens A's leave or if it even just goes to Howard Terminal, what happens to that site?
2: Sure. Let's bring Nina Thorson, uh, producer at KQD in the California Report, back into the conversation to answer that one.
3: Hey, um, so first of all, as far as why the Coliseum is not viable as a site, that's that's something that Dave Cavill could obviously answer better. He's the one who who has been quoted saying that. But my understanding is that He means it's not viable in the sense that the private investors who the A's have been talking to about um, coming in with them in this project have indicated that they are interested in participating in the Howard Terminal site. And they're not as interested in participating in the Coliseum site. So I think I think it's it's more on that site. Um, Well, let's let's go to them while we we have them.
2: Dave, is that is that is that the right uh, meaning of it here is basically can't get financing for a new Coliseum uh, site and you can for Howard Terminal?
4: Well, I think I think it's important to remember that it's not only the fact that, you know, two teams have left already and said that, hey, that site doesn't work, but it's also that there can be more economic vitality and positive impacts for Oakland and the East Bay with the downtown urban location. It actually creates more economic impact. It will draw more fans. It will create more opportunities for small business and it will create more energy around the ancillary development. So it's just a far superior lo- location to be downtown. And it is the future. Younger people, you know, millennials, Gen Z, want to come to venues that are in downtown urban locations. They don't want to go drive their car, park it go into a big monstrosity and see a game. That is a 20th century vision. We need to actually have a vision for the future of baseball, for the future of sports, and the future of like urban planning
2: and development. And that is not the Coliseum. Can I ask one more question about um, Howard Terminal, um, which is why not just build the stadium? Do you need the other things um, that then run you up against the schnitzer steel, which is a really quite loud and and intense uh, steel recycling facility? Um, Do do you need that to make it all work?
4: Uh, Yes, we do, because you need to create enough sense of place and you need to have enough people living in the Jack London Square area. I mean, right now there's no grocery store in Jack London Square because not enough people live there. So you need more people living there who are vested um, in that community, in a positive way, and positive things will happen. That's ha- that's a, that's the history of you know cities and how they kind of recreate themselves. And we want to do it in a responsible way where the people who live there now are also part of that vision. And that's where the community benefits come in and the affordable housing. Uh, but it really does need to have the full gamut: eighteen acres of of parks, you know, the job opportunities, the housing. All of that needs to be part of the plan.
2: Yeah. Um, if if you get a no vote on the twentieth, what happens?
4: Well, this is our last option in Oakland, and as folks know, you know we have a parallel path going in Southern Nevada, where we've spent time over the last month um, visiting with local authorities, elected officials, you know, casinos and resorts to have another option that we're considering because we really are running out of time. You know, we only have a lease here through twenty twenty four at the Coliseum. The stadium is 10 years past its useful life. We should have never played here this long. And we need to actually find uh, some type of solution or resolution to this 20-year saga that we owe it to everyone, the community, our fans, our players, everyone associated with this to get a solution. And that's what we're driving forward uh, with
2: the vote on the 20th. So is that it would be it would be it. You'd be gone. <laughs> That, Like I said, we're
0: in the bottom of the night. Well, let's not let's never forget that Oakland is the walk off capital of the world. And it is, I hope-
4: David. It is. I like walk offs, <laughs> too. I hope we get a walk off. That's why I'm, I'm fighting harder than anyone to get a positive vote on the 20th. But. It's well, that the,
0: consequential, you know. People well, I'd say the ball, I'd it. say the ball is in your court to help get us to win, win, win by making sure that the private capital foots the affordable housing and that you figure out a way to fund an ongoing stream of revenues for community benefits. Because as you know, the EIFD stuff can only fund you know capital improvements, and so I really see the ball is in your court, and it would be look. I, this there's a huge economic opportunity. We talk about stadiums only. That doesn't activate uh, this part of Oakland, nor does it deliver the scale of repetitive community investment that this community is looking to have. But so, Dave, aren't uh, you
2: worried that with that kind of development, that the existing displacement of the residents of West Oakland, particularly on that sort of eastern side of, of West Oakland, where already many, many, particularly black residents, have been pushed out already. I mean, you know this. So what... Doesn't that just accelerate that process?
0: This is an excellent question. I think this is key. And so let's think about where the stadium is. It's on it's on industrial land at the estuary. Let's think about what's planned along 7th Street, where Black people are trying to hold space, but which now, according to a study I saw from the Belonging and Othering Institute, is now an area of high white segregation down in the lower bottoms. We have been displaced. The way that we do development now, one by one, where we get 8% affordable housing and little to no monies, The community benefits is the process by which this location is advancing. If we can secure hundreds of millions of dollars and 450 is dependent upon the Jack London IFD, which seems like it's dead on arrival. If it's 200 million to fund, for example, some of that, one of the items in the recommendation summary is $50 million for ownership opportunities for longtime and displaced West Oakland residents to address the racial wealth gap. Mm -hmm. Money for land trusts and nonprofits which create affordably perform portable permanently affordable housing are just things we are not going to get under the current development processes we need to we need to think about big visions and grand wins Thank and i grew you up know. in a town where that was the thinking and that was possible
2: um let's bring in michelle from the town
6: hi um me
2: yes yeah yes you michelle oh. welcome to the show
6: <laughs> hi sorry I
4: just had a quick comment um, regarding what your speaker said earlier about Gen Z and millennial um, people not wanting to drive to the stadium and park their car and how we don't want to go to a stadium that's way far out in the middle of nowhere. Um, First of all, the current A stadium is not in the middle of nowhere. It's directly off of a BART line. Second of all, the proposed stadium at the waterfront is a 20-minute walk from the BART line minimum. And there's no parking anywhere anyway. It's not walkable in the first place. So I just, I just wanted to mention that that was a bit of a disingenuous
3: presentation
4: of the
2: current situation. Thanks, Michelle. Dave, I think you have an answer for this.
4: Well, I mean, there are thousands of parking spots and access to public transit in the downtown urban core. So we think it's a great location to get to from a transit perspective. And we think it does appeal to younger people based on you know the
2: surveys and, and input that we have from them. Let's get to one more call. Mallory in Oakland.
6: Hi, yes, a longtime A's fan here. And I just kind of want to dovetail on what the previous caller asked, what are the solutions for
4: um, transportation, um, the solutions for potential parking, and where are all the longshoremen and truckers going,
1: going to go? I mean, it's already hugely congested in that area. So i just like um, a little bit more detail on the proposed solution.
2: Dave?
4: Well, we have a very robust transportation plan. I think it's important to remember that the current site, you know, there's no maritime activity. It's used as a parking lot for, you know, basically polluting trucks, which could go somewhere else farther from the neighborhoods. And so I think it's important to remember that we have many ways, whether it's ferry or three BART stations that are less than a mile away, AC Transit. You know, all these different ways to get to and from the location. There is parking in the urban core, tens of thousands of locations. And all of that together makes for a really robust location to get to and from. And that's hey, something that we'll continue to monitor and make sure works for everyone involved in the project.
5: Alexis, if I, if I might. Yeah, Mike, Mike. quickly. Yeah, just uh, to that last point and, and Dave's talking point on how this isn't used. We have over 325,000 trucking gate transactions at Howard Terminal every year that is not an unused facility. Those trucks need to go somewhere. Um, what they're proposing is to provide no additional net parking for trucks, but also no additional net acreage for the container staging that we do at that facility. So these are really fundamental questions. Obviously we have some big macro level concerns about the removal of industrial property, but there's a lot of specific details that have just not been worked out yet. So we're
2: looking Thank you, to you, David. that. We have been talking with the uh, Oakland A's Howard Terminal proposal with Dave Cavill, President of the Oakland A's, Mike Jacob, who you just heard, Vice President General Counsel of the Pacific Merchant Shipping Association, David Peters, member of the Howard Terminal Community Benefit Agreement Steering Committee, and Nina Thorson, producer here at KQED. Big questions on the table for Oakland Waterfront, July 20th, City Council meeting. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another
1: hour.